Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. It's great to see you all. Um, you know, it's great to worship together. I've been gone the last four weekends, so it's like really nice to be here today and see you all. Um, you know, Pastor Pete's actually away this weekend with Gail uh, teaching at a uh, coaches outreach marriage conference. So he does that periodically, usually at least one, once a year in the summer. So he's there, so be praying for him. It's just such an opportunity to minister to coaches and their wives um, in that ministry. Um, you know, tomorrow is actually an exciting day in the life of our church as we send out our first group on a missionary trip since December of 2019. So yeah, that's something to... So it's been almost 18 months since we've sent a group out to another city to minister to people. And tomorrow it'll be our student ministry kind of leading the charge as we have around 79 students and adults going to San Antonio and ministering with the four ministry partners we have down there. Um, You know, uh, Pastor Joe and Letty at 360 Outreach, and they've birthed another 360 East uh, with Pastor Eddie uh, down in San Antonio. Ministers are one of the poorest zip codes in the United States. And then um, Pastor Jason and Agora Ministries down there, we we minister with them. And then uh, Pastor Alex and the Ministry of Life Restored ministers to a lot of the homeless in San Antonio. So we want to spend some time this morning looking at a text and then spend some time commissioning this group as they go tomorrow. Because I believe that this past 18 months and the upcoming year is, a time, is our time and our place as a church to really care for people and share the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe more than any other time in the history of the church. You know, one of the things I really enjoy is history. And so I love reading a lot of Civil War and World War II books. But it's gotten me really interested as well now in church history. And what many people don't know is that the reason Christianity spread so significantly in the early church were two pandemics that hit in the second and third century. Uh, an Augustinian uh, pandem- pandemic and a, a Cyprian uh, pandemic that happened in the second and third searches, uh, centuries. Both of those were plagues that came into the Roman Empire that killed almost a quarter of the population. And what happened is people fled from the cities and went out into the countries. And history tells us it was the Christians that began to move into the cities to care for the dying. And Christianity grew because Christians cared for the sick and people saw the love of Christ and they gave their lives to Christ. They saw that love in action. And it wasn't just Christians who noted this uh, reaction of these Christians to the plagues. A century later, the actively pagan emperor Julian would complain bitterly of how the Galileans, as they're called, would care for even non-Christian sick people. And while historians recount how Christians ensured that good was done to all men, not merely to the household of faith. 
and sociologist and religious demographer Rodney Stark claims that the death rates in cities where Christian communities were was about half of other cities. And they began to share and care and show hospitalities, which is where we get the word hospital. So the Christian church kind of invented the hospital. That's why we see a lot of St. Mary's, St. Mark's, uh, St. Matthew's. And that's why a lot of the first hospitals were established around the world by missionaries. So as I reflect on these past 18 months of what I would say that we have encountered six storms in the last 18 months, and we'll talk further about that later. The one thing I want to do today is to commend you, Hillside, for reaching out to the hurt and the hurting during this time. And I just wanted to share some statistics with you and kind of praise God with how you and how we as a church has cared for people these past 18 months. Did you know that since March 1st of 2020, our benevolence fund here at Hillside has grown from $30,000 to over $100,000? And that since March 1 of 2020, we've given out $77,000 to people in our community and to our church through our benevolence fund. And did you know at the beginning of the pandemic, we delivered at least 50 bags of groceries to people that were shut in, that that were in need and couldn't come out. And we continue to reach out to our community, even though we had to be careful doing things. We had to do things differently in 2020, using masks and proper social distancing. You know, this past 18 months, we've done two life-giving Saturdays with over 300 hillsiders going out to over 50 homes doing yard work and house projects and sharing Christ's love in a practical way. In August of last year, we've always done a back-to-school blessing, but we've had to to do it differently with a drive-through of over about 60 volunteers giving out gift cards and school supplies to over 189 families, of which... 149 had never been on Hillside's campus before. And having the opportunity to bless them and to pray with them as many of them were going through the pandemic and the uncertainty of entering a school year. Then two nights later, we joined the Key Church down in Fossil Creek and did the same thing, handing out school supplies and praying over people. At Thanksgiving, 24 of you volunteer to give out boxes of gift cards and the fixings for 100 families to have a Thanksgiving meal this year. And 80% of those 100 families had never been on Hillside's campus before. And that doesn't even include the stories we hear, we shared a couple weeks ago, of just what life groups are doing here to, be, to carry out that missional value of our groups in various ways where we've connected the community, providing, going down to Fort Worth and providing food to the homeless, uh, a group handing out pizzas during the ice storm just to bless the neighborhood right beside us, uh, providing breakfast to firefighters and, and first responders, what our life groups have done. So it's just been amazing, you as a congregation, how you've cared for this community in these last 18 months. And even though we haven't been able to go on mission trips, you have opened your pocketbooks to support our mission partners these past 14 months or so. I think Pete shared a few weeks ago 
you know, that you gave over $40,000 to Hope Partners in India for the drastic COVID relief that's needed there. In the last 12 months, you've given over 15000 to our partner church, Yamato Eterno in Honduras. And many of you are part of sponsoring children in Honduras, 324 children sponsored in Honduras. A lot of you do that by giving $40 a month. And throughout the need of caring for those families during the pandemic, uh, through this Empowering Education International Ministry, and over $40,000 have come in and been sent down to the families in Honduras. And then, again, giving $6,000 to our ministry partners in San Antonio uh, this past year. Getting ready as you drove in. Did you see the eyesore of those portables as you drove in? We're giving two, all both of those to the Agora ministry in San Antonio. And then just um, past, I know you remember, if you were here a few weeks ago, Daryl and Kimberly Beckham here on on the stage and shared. We've given them around $6,000 this past 12, 14 months, but you saw the need. We're trying to raise $20,000 for them to be able to take school supplies back and, um, and do scholarships for kids. So we've raised about 5000 That's going to be out there all the way till June. So maybe God lays that on your heart to, to give to that again. So it's been an amazing year, I feel like, our church of going into our local community and caring for people while still continuing to give financially to our missions partners, even though we couldn't go ourselves. But tomorrow starts up a new time, a new place for Hillside, a time to go to, to areas of great need and minister to people and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And as I shared, I believe this next year is our time, our place, to sow the seed of the gospel with it. You know, it's interesting that most of the time in Scripture, when talking about the opportunity to share the gospel, it's done in a farming analogy. Because Jesus, the great storyteller, knew that the people of that day could relate to this because of the many farmers that, there were, that were there. The economy was so dependent on agriculture and the sowing and reaping that was done. So you may be familiar with the parable of the sower and the farmer scattering seed or, or the gospel into four different soils, which represent four different hearts. A shallow soil representing a shallow heart. The hard soil representing a hard heart. The soil with weeds and thorns is the preoccupied, busy heart. And then lastly, the fertile soil of the good heart open to the gospel. So when you think about that, three of the four of those soils are people that aren't open to what you want to share. Only 25% of that population is receptive. And we have to remember, we are not responsible for making that soil receptive. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job as a good farmer is to plant the maximum amount of seed where the best soil is and see the results. And really not waste seed on unresponsive soil. It is God's job to make the soil responsive, not ours.
So how does God make the hard soil into fertile soil? Many times, he sends a storm. He batters it with a storm. Rain softens the storm. Hard raking softens the soil. And statistics shows us that people are most likely to respond and receive Christ when they are in tension or transition. When major change is happening, it can be positive change, or good change, it can be negative. A positive one um, is, is um, just getting married or having a baby, just graduating, just getting a new job, just moving to a new area. Or it can be a negative one, like death or divorce or disease, loss of a loved one, bankruptcy. These get our society's attention. And thinking back through these last 18 months, we've had six major storms that have happened this past year, the past 18 months. And we as a church need to look for people in pain to minister to them and be led by the Holy Spirit to share our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. So those six storms these last uh, 14, 16 months um, have caused a lot of pain and made the soil ripe for us to care for people and to sow the seed of the gospel. First storm, of course, is the global infirmity that we've had, COVID, the pandemic. And with that, the second storm kind of arrives with the storm of financial stress and insecurity, with the loss of jobs, how the, it, it's all going to affect the economy and will it recover. The third storm we've seen is a racial inequality with the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. And with that social instability, we see cities rioting in our streets and our prayers and support go out to our law enforcement and our first responders. And then the storm of our political instability with everything leading up to the election in November and even after. And then for us as Texans, a sixth storm that's happened in the last four months is, I don't know what you call it, the weather debacle of 2021. Yeah, it's still here. Yeah, the ice storm and the hailstorm. How many people are replacing roofs? Anybody replace? Yeah, me too. I, and right before I replaced my roof, I raised my deductible. Can you believe that? So that adds the financial stress. So we've gone through six storms in the last 18 months. Um, and any one of those provide pain, but we had six of them dump on us in the last past year. So if the best soil to plant seed is soil that has been stormed on, that has been raked with change, that soil has never been more ready in the history of church than now. So that's why I really believe this next year, our focus is to work on the dis-ease in our society. The next year is going to be a tsunami of grief, a tsunami of anxiety, and a tsunami of depression that the church has never seen before. 
you know, I was in my D group on Friday, and one of the guys in my D group just shared, um, he's probably 25 to 30, and he and his wife just were sharing. There were so many of their, their friends right now going through counseling and therapy just because of the fear and anxiety in their lives. So before we close and commission this mission team to San Antonio, I want us to look at a few verses to see how Jesus prepared to care for people and share the gospel. So here's Matthew 9, 35 through 38. In verse 35, it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. And you see three focuses. You see this in Matthew 4, too, where the same almost statement is said. But he said three things that Jesus did, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So three focuses of, of his ministry was one is to share the gospel, to share the good news. A second one is to, pre, to teach, to make disciples, to disciple other folks and people in the kingdom. And then you see that last third of his ministry was health care. He healed every kind of disease and illness, both physical and emotional needs. And then we see verse 36 and how he saw people. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I have to be honest with you, is that this is where I'm looking in my own life that I've really struggled here. Because I can see I don't have the compassion for sheep without a shepherd. The loss that I should have. And this has been really challenging me these last few weeks. Um, one of the weekends we were gone about three weeks ago, Jill and I uh, traveled to Birmingham, Alabama for a little reunion with my college baseball coach, a guy named Al Worthington. We had about 25 guys come back with their wives just to spend time with Coach and his wife and come together and honor him and just tell him stories about Coach and, and the influence he had on our lives. And I think yeah, I've told you some stories about Coach Worthington, but he... Um, went to the University of Alabama on a uh, football scholarship, messed up his shoulder, and he ends up going on the baseball team and being a pitcher for the baseball team. So he ends up making professional baseball. In fact, historically, in 1953, he joins the New York Giants, and he still holds the record for a rookie pitching two shutouts in his first two starts in the major leagues. And so he's playing with Willie Mays and was in the 1954 World Series where, you know, Willie Mays makes the catch over his shoulder. You probably have seen that picture. But in 1958, at the age of 29, the ball team's in San Francisco, and Billy Graham, or uh, Pat, Coach Worthington, goes to a Billy Graham crusade. And he walks down the aisle and he gives his life to Christ. And his whole life radically changed. He could not stop telling people about Jesus and what he had done in his life. 
And the story uh, you may know is that 1954, he's with the New York Giants. They've got five games to play. They're in first place. And coach finds out that there's a guy, kind of reminds you of the Houston Astros, there's a guy out in center field with binoculars that's telling the hitter what pitch is coming. Coach just gives his life to Christ, walks into the manager and says, I can't be on a team that's cheating. I've just given my life to Christ. I can't, I'm talking to, to kids and others about my faith. I can't be on a team that's cheating. So the manager says, okay, we'll stop. They lose their last five games and don't make the playoffs. And then coach gets shipped to another team. Ends up being with the Chicago White Sox. And here he's playing for the Chicago White Sox. And he finds out there's a guy, center field with binoculars, relaying the pitches in. Coach walks into the manager and says, I can't stay on a team that's cheating. It, it doesn't, doesn't connect with my faith. And the manager says, tough. You, and coach quits. He never tells anybody why he quits till later in the years. But he quits the White Sox and is unemployed out of Major League Baseball. And the cool thing is, um, 1964, he gets called up or signs a contract with the Minnesota Twins and um, ends up pitching in 1965 World Series. Uh, actually, they had, uh, years ago, the top 50 Minnesota Twins of all time, and Coach Worthington makes one as one, as one of those 50 being a relief pitcher for them. So God blesses him for his integrity and standing. But, you know, I'm seeing him three weeks ago at 92 years old. And he still can't go a day without sharing Jesus with somebody. And um, when I see that in his fervor and Jesus' compassion on sheep that are without a shepherd, it really challenges me. And why don't I care enough to share with hurting people what I know is the answer to their pain? What gives me hope and security through these storms is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Why don't I have that same compassion Jesus did? Why don't I have that same compassion that I still see my 92-year-old coach having? And I try to justify it. It gets messy. It's time-consuming. But maybe like you, you're like me and just need that compassion as Jesus had it. And then as we finish up this text, just 37 and 38... We see the farming analogy again, as Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. There we go. Who's in charge of the harvest? Who's, who's in charge of getting the soil ready? The Holy Spirit. The Lord is in charge of that. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. The harvest is great, but the workers are are few. So what does he ask us to do? He asks us to pray. Pray for workers into the fields 
And now tomorrow we have 79 students and adults going into the fields. And we're supposed to pray for them. And that's how we're going to close our service today. Um, Pastor Mike's going to come up and share a little bit about um, the uh, trip and just share how we can support them this week. And uh, while he does that, watch this video. This is the video from two years ago when we were last in San Antonio. side we have been chomping at the bit for a year to return to San Antonio and we finally get to tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. we take like Dave said 79 leaders and students down to San Antonio the beautiful thing about this trip is uh, we get to see every single one of our ministry partners while we're down there. We get to be with every single one of them. We get to serve them and partner with them in the ministries that they have been doing throughout this last year. And uh, we, man, we're, our, our student ministry is, revolves around purpose so much that when you remove these moments to, to be together serving the purpose of the kingdom, you feel it. And so I'm so excited, so excited to be able to do that tomorrow morning, head back down there. Uh, in 2014, I got to go on a trip, a, a camp trip, a children's camp trip to Bermuda, all right, with Kyle Gray, for those of you who know Kyle. And some of you may say, wow, Mike, you went to Bermuda for a camp. You don't know. You don't know. The humidity in Bermuda is like 200%. Or at least it was the week we were there. And everything is wet. All week, everything is wet. From the moment you leave the air conditioning to the moment you get back, you are just moist, all right? Maybe the hardest camp I've ever done. But what I was so impressed by when I went to Bermuda and we teamed up with this church down there was that before we left, every single student, every single leader had a, their name on a card and it was passed out through the sanctuary the Sunday before our camp started so that every single person would be prayed over while they were at that camp. Every single kid, no matter if they went to that church or they had never stepped foot in a church before, they were being prayed over. And we did this a few years ago and then it just kind of died off and I thought, man, for us going down there, taking the risks that we're taking, obviously, and going down there from Monday to Friday this week, I would just love it if Hillside, overall, whether you have a kid going or not, if Hillside would just engulf us in prayer. And so we have some ushers that are in here. They have the names of every single student, every single leader that's going, of the ministry partners that we will be serving when we get down to San Antonio. And if you would like to pray for us this week while we were gone, would you just shoot your hand up in the air? They're gonna swing through. And, uh, and give those out to you. I hope everybody, 
Hope everybody can get one of those. Now, can I ask you to pray for something other than just protection? We love praying for protection on mission trips, but there's so much more than just protection that God wants for us to be praying for, okay? Here's some of the things. Will you pray for our students' spiritual growth while they're there, okay? Some of these students are in a great place right now, and yet some of these students haven't been around, things aren't going well at home right now, and if you've ever been on a trip, you know how much God uses these moments kind of to be away from the normal cycle of life to just kind of get a hold of you. So will you please pray for their growth? Will you please pray for clarity and efficiency for us? Like we're going into a situation that we've never had to go into before. It's a little bit different. Uh, you know, we have to kind of navigate how much we expose ourselves to different ministries and the public. And so we just pray for us to have the clarity in that and efficiency in that so that what we're doing actually makes sense that we're doing it, okay? Uh, and then will you pray for the purpose that we have? Will you pray for the vulnerability, like Dave said, for us to be vulnerable, transparent, share our faith, share what God's done in our lives? And then lastly, will you pray, please pray, like all week, will you pre please pray that the Spirit is going down way before us. And all of these moments, like Dave has been saying, that have kind of broken people's, did we hand them all out? I think we may have handed them all out. So if your arm is falling asleep, you can put it back down, all right? And just pray for all of us if you didn't get a specific name. But will you pray that the spirit goes before us and all these storms that have been going on in Texas and in America and in the world, that those have been prepared or those now that are going through those have been prepared to hear what Christ and the hope and forgiveness and grace and peace and love and wholeness that he wants to bring to their lives, that that will be done. Please, I beg you. I've asked uh, Tim, one of our elders, to come up and kind of pray for us as, as we get ready. We leave at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, so put those cards uh, somewhere. Highly visible. If you didn't get one, uh, just write Mike Bream on a 3 by 5 card and put that somewhere. We don't have junior hires on the trip this year, so I don't need as much prayer. Uh, but... But please uh, pray for me, for Lydia, for Wendy, all of us as well while we're, while we're down there. Tim, you pray for us, bud. Before I pray, you guys see the vans out there? I mean, it doesn't look like we're getting ready for the D-Day invasion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not far from that. I mean, these people that you see uh, who are going down have, will work like crazy this week. Uh, if you've been involved in, in any of this uh, before, uh, the people come back with wonderful stories, but they also come back about 10 pounds lighter because of the heat and all the work and the stress and the pressure. Uh, it's, uh, it's an awful but wonderful undertaking. I was talking to uh, Lydia Russell yesterday and talking about the ministry. She's assistant uh, youth leader. And she said, you know, we're just ordinary people. And I thought, yeah, you're ordinary people, all right, but you have extraordinary talents, extraordinary compassion, extraordinary ability to relate, 
perseverance. It takes extraordinary people to lead, and we have them. And Mike and Lydia and the adult volunteers who give so much. So before I pray, I'll just ask you to think gratefully to God for these folks. Because I see a little bit of what they do. You don't get to see it. I wish you could. It's wonderful. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're a great God, that you're involved in all that we do, and I'd ask a special blessing for these folks as they go down. There's no challenge like the challenge you give. There's no joy like the joy you give in meeting that challenge. There's no growth in the growth like the growth that you give in fulfilling the, your will in your ministry. So I, I don't ask for ease and I don't ask for uh, a gentle time for either the leaders or the kids. I'd ask for power. I'd ask for power that your will would be accomplished, that, uh, that people would get to know you and see you through these folks who care so much. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you that you're involved with us. And at your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, as we close, um, um, let's stand. And I just want to um, pray to close us. And maybe you're um, like me today a little bit with, um, I would just challenge all of us. We're in a great series right now with what Pete's taken us through with the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's going to be in that maybe for years, who knows. Um, but at least the summer and this fall. But it's a prime time to get us focused on having a compassion for lost people and bringing the kingdom to them now. And so I just want to close this in prayer, and I want you to be thinking about that. Maybe you're here today, and you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. There's people back in the corners that would love to pray with you and just talk to you. It says, if any man confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe you've never made that decision today to give your life to Jesus. Well, there's people in the corners that can help you with that. And then for us as Christ followers, let's pray for a more of a compassion than ever to reach a society that has just gone through storms like no other. So let me close and pray for us, all right? Dear Lord, thank you for your love, your mercy. Um, thank you for this church and their heart to care for people, their heart to minister, their heart to open up their pocketbooks and give Lord, it's just phenomenal. Um, but I really believe this is the prime time in our society that people are hurting. People need to see the love of Jesus Christ. Not just hear about it. They need to see it. And then we need to be led by your spirit, led by you to know when and how to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we just pray for our hearts, for our compassion for people, and that you would grow that in us through this next year and care and, and love on hurting people. And we just thank you for our time together. Again, pray for the group tomorrow and just uh, looking forward to hearing and seeing all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, thank you. You're dismissed.